and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Godzilla Minus One. Join me today. I think he could get his baby through the apocalypse. It's Holden Martinson. Holden, how's it going? Oh, it's it's great. Uh, <laughs> Godzilla Minus One, Holden and Wife Plus One. The three of us. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to have some questions for you about, you know, uh, how, how having a baby girl may or may not have affected your uh, viewing of this movie. <sighs> and uh, also joining me, a first-time guest, a Godzilla scholar in his own right, at least compared to us. It's first-time guest, J.D. Hunt. J.D., thank you for being here. Hi, hello. Yes, I've seen all of them. And wow. that, that's really the beginning and end of my Bonafides. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that I think that's 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 pretty impressive in its own right. I think a lot of a lot of people that are aren't aren't just amateur critics like me uh, probably can't even say that for themselves who uh, actually get paid to do this. So uh, I'm I'm very excited to have someone uh, that can c- kind of put this movie into perspective uh, in a different way for us. But yeah, Godzilla minus one is the first Godzilla movie uh, produced by Toho Studios in like what seven years I think. Who is like the kind of the studio in Japan that you know made these for a really long time. But I guess if I have understand it correctly they had they made some kind of agreement with legendary pictures to take a break from doing them while they were producing all these ones that have come out in america over the last several years that deal expired and they they put this movie into production and godzilla minus one it begins in 1945 but is largely set in the aftermath of world war ii but you know it starts off in the beginning of that where uh there's a kamikaze pilot named named kochi shikishima and he is they're about to go on a, he and his uh you know, group are about to go on a mission, but he feigns a mechanical issue with this plane and goes back to uh, another island where there was that was a base of sorts. And while there, uh, one of the lead mechanics, uh, whose name is uh, Tashibana, uh, kind of accuses him of fleeing from duty before they can really like you know talk about that too much. Uh, the little island that they are on gets attacked by Godzilla himself. Shikishima doesn't take a shot at Godzilla, and everyone except on the island, except for uh, Tachibana, uh, dies. And Tachibana, you know, accuses him of being too afraid to shoot. Not that, like, you know, I, I think we, the audience, know that it probably wouldn't have done a ton of good against Godzilla. But you know, Shikishima has uh, all kinds of survivor's guilt between you know abandoning his uh, his battalion or his uh, flight squad, and also just you know surviving this Godzilla attack when so many others died. He returns to home to find where his parents have been killed in the bombing of Tokyo, along with. Most people he knows, but he happens to, you know, come across a woman uh, named Noriko who is caring for a baby she found. Her parents also died in the bombing and they end up forming like a makeshift found family of sorts. And uh, as they're uh, as they're trying to, you know, just kind of get along and he he ends up getting a job as like someone that, you know, explodes like latent mines basically on the water and. They start to have a family, but, you know, eventually it's a Godzilla movie. Godzilla is around the corner and we'll get to everything that entails in this movie. Um, I'll start with you, J.D. Uh, as, as J.D. mentioned, he has seen all Godzilla movies. And I'm curious, J.D., uh, I'm sure I'm sure they vary in quality a lot, <laughs> widely, I, as, as I presume. And I'm wondering, uh, the, the ones you like the most, is there like a common thread about like what they get right? Or is, is, is it kind of all over the place because there are different kinds of movies? I mean, I think if anything, the common thread in what they get right is being different types of movies. Mm. Uh, the best Godzilla movies to me very much know what they are. And, and definitely have a unique, they all have a unique take, all the ones that I really like. Anyways, and I would put Godzilla minus one firmly in the top tier of wow. Godzilla for me. But certainly there's no Godzilla that I think is a great one that can, you can put on just say it feels like all the others of the era or anything mm. like that. They they all tend to stand out. 
That, that being said, I guess the other, my follow-up question to that is, is a thing that I'm seeing a lot in seeing people talk about these movies is like, they're like, oh, you know, I don't really come here for the human stuff. You know, it's just like, you know, it, it loses something when we get to the human stuff. But at the same time, I feel like a lot, like the, the one out of all these American produced ones that I feel like people talk about in like the best light is like the 2014 one with, you know, the one with uh, Brian Cranston and Aaron Taylor Johnson. And that one did pay more attention to the human stuff than I think a lot of the ones that came after it. I th- it seems like you, you can, you can appreciate all different kinds of these is what it sounds like. But I'm wondering, are you someone that goes there and more for the human stuff or more for the monster stuff? Or is it like, Hey, whatever, as long as they do it well, definitely more in the, whatever, as long as they do it well, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's interesting. I think it, on one end, it's reductive, I think, to say that the human stuff is never interesting in Godzilla movies. And then on the other hand, I did say that I did used to say that a lot more before having seen Godzilla minus one, which mm-hmm. as an experience with the human stuff, I would compare to like the first time I went uh, wine tasting. It was all reds for the first like hour. <laughs> and, you know, you get really into it and you're finding all this like nuance and then this hidden sweetness and the taste of like specific berries. And you, and you think you're finding that. And then they gave me your first white and it's like an explosion. Like you can't, I couldn't handle it. Like I couldn't taste anything because I could taste everything. And that kind of feels like what the human stuff in Godzilla minus one is compared to the stuff of the past where it's just, it's so intense and flavorful compared to what we used to get. Um, especially back in like the Showa era and things like that, it would be at best like a, a, a B movie like mashed onto people in suits fighting each other. Hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's reductive to say that it, it, everything else before Godzilla minus one was nothing. But it's also in many ways accurate. Well, I guess my last thing before I uh, before I get to Holden, then it's it, you said you put it like in the top tier of these uh, of these movies, and I'm wondering, did you have like a big takeaway when you saw this movie? I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly kind of snuck up on me. I mean, you know, I obviously I do this podcast every week. I have a decent sense of like the stuff coming out, and this wasn't really something on my radar. And I so I mean, it it just kind of took it it took me by surprise. I I didn't I don't even think I knew what it was till you know a couple weeks before I saw it, and all of a sudden I end up in like almost sold out theater and it's just like you know just a really a really cool experience and i mean i was just kind of taken aback because i didn't have a ton of points of reference for the for any japanese produced one so i'm wondering you with like all the uh, having a lot more reference points was there something that like was a big takeaway for you it's like oh wow i it, they really got this right and that's what kind of sets this apart nothing that i think like if, if i'm looking to why this has resonated with people mm-hmm. in the states i think it would have less to do with the connecting it to previous godzilla movies and more just in like kind of a general desire for like big Hollywood melodrama, mm. you know, like I, I think people were responding so strongly to, I mean, even just these like basic dramatic beats that this movie had really my audience. I don't know about your guys's was, was absolutely along for every single second of it. And it just felt like this. I mean, everyone just wanted to be swept up in this kind of giant epic and yeah. and I think the 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 like oh, the well done effects and all that stuff help us. I don't know. It, it helps get back to what I think people really wanted from the experience of this movie, um, which I don't I don't really think connects all that much to, you know, this is what was always so great about the Japanese Godzilla. Other than they just, I mean, they know how to do a Godzilla movie. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just um it's just, it's masterfully done, and yeah. I think audiences respond to a really well done movie. Yeah, I know. I, I think I think that's well put. I mean, you, you can already just think back on the movie and you th- can think of like five different emotional moments uh, of sorts that this doesn't feel like. I mean, maybe a few of the ones that came out in America the last few years didn't necessarily take the time for it. Um, and not, it's not to say some of those movies don't have like their own redeeming qualities in certain points, but like it did feel like something that was like kind of distinct and give you a different feeling than you might have had coming out of uh, some of the other ones that we've seen the last few years since 
uh, while Legendary had this, you know, this exclusive exclusivity going on. Uh, Holden, uh, I know you really like this movie too. I'm I'm curious. Oh, yeah. What's you? You kind of hinted at earlier. You're more like me in that you've only seen the. Uh, you've only kind of seen more of the recent American stuff, and I'm wondering what about this really, really struck a chord with you first and foremost that made it made it kind of set it apart from the other your other points of reference for your that you have. Yeah, I'm like JD. I I, I don't have a lot of context for this, and you know, every time I come on this on this show, mm-hmm. I usually have a ton of context well behind me. We do Albert Brooks. I watch all the Albert Brooks movies. <laughs> We're doing Power of the Dog. I've seen all the Jane Campion movies. Um, <laughs> Banshees. I've seen all the Martin McDonough movies. And this one, Godzilla is so vast. Uh, it's like 30 some films across multiple studios and like almost 70 years. I mean, both uh, Japanese and US productions with different different phases between. When I had heard about Godzilla Minus One, it was really this word of mouth thing where like other film people were clamoring about it. They're like, you got to check this out. This is good. And because it's a foreign acquisition, I mean, who knows how long it would it would actually be here. And by some miracle, it's in the rinkadink small town Regal a few miles away. And so I just rushed over. Well, before I rushed over, I watched the 1954 um, mm. Godzilla which, you know, and I had seen like the 98 version and I'd seen Godzilla versus Kong. Having not seen Godzilla King of the Monsters or Kong Skull Island, that's my whole reference point for for Godzilla. Maybe the maybe you can stretch it to Gamera uh, episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. But basically, I went in with like the the one sort of totemic title in this series that everyone agrees basically is like, oh, well, if you're going to see one, see that one. And then I go watch Godzilla minus one and it just blew my mind. Um, mm-hmm. It is a, a well-crafted spectacle as a disaster movie where a Godzilla rises from the sea and wreaks havoc on Japan. It's great, but it really does live and die on that uh, human drama, which, you know, I there are plenty of uh, movies I like where I can just get into the thing of it. Like, like I'm that way with slashers where, the kills, the sort of rhythm of it, just the structure is really comforting to me. But for this, I was really, really taken by this kamikaze pilot's shame for abandoning his duty, especially as he's being told that he is to blame in part for his country's national humiliation on the world's, you know, on the on the world stage and and his sort of redemption and his his quest for inner peace. Um, and and sort of uh, more importantly, the communal element to this movie that um, that certainly makes the 1954 Godzilla so vital, and that becomes absolutely moving by the end. And yeah, I mean, and and if and if I didn't have a lot of other Godzilla movies to to draw upon, it was fascinating to watch this and see like you know nods to like Jaws and Dunkirk and and other things as well. Um, for for a really really well realized thoughtfully constructed blockbuster yeah no i i, I agree it, it, it's interesting that like um i i that yeah a japanese film is paying homage to jaws in some ways so I, I i do think that's pretty cool but also i just think like you said uh hard not to get swept up emotionally in it and it's an interesting way to start you know not that like and it's cool that like you know an american it's interesting to show that particular story to an american audience you know just like doing it from the japanese perspective in world world two and but like this you can't help but not but like you know be in on this guy's story when 
pretty relatable thing to not want to go on a kamikaze mission and but like just like look he's gonna feel some shame from that to start but then also the survivor's remorse from again uh feeling uh the survivor's guilt i guess from surviving the godzilla attack and then all of a sudden being brought into this uh other situation out of nowhere with this other family it's like for a second you'd want to like shake the guy and be like why are you being so weird about the like embracing this family that you are kind of lucky that you've made it to this point with them but like at the same time you can kind of understand why he doesn't really feel like he deserves it and uh that's like a really interesting emotional starting point for one of these movies in a way that like i don't remember anything about how most of those other movies started except a little bit of the 2014 one like i mean i like kyle chandler and millie bobby brown as actors a lot but like i don't i couldn't tell you a thing about that that relationship in those movies really uh, you know, and so I just think this movie did a very efficient, good job of like, you know, setting the stakes for this particular guy and uh, and surrounding him with the inter- interesting different characters at various points. Um, JD, I'm curious is so like, uh, you know, h- how do some of the best other best Godzilla movies, not even necessarily to make you keep going back and comparing this to other Godzilla movies, but like, I get, no, I am going to do that. But like, how? Yeah, how no, I mean, that's what I'm here for. I mean, like, how often do you have like, like a protagonist that you actually like, like, like Shikishima, where it's like, oh wow, you you actually like really really feel like you're in it with them emotionally, like you kind of are with him in the way that Godzilla minus one just kind of throws you into it because it seems like you know, like I said, uh, maybe some of the others don't really pay that close of attention to like developing their 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 main character that well. Yeah, I mean, I I think certainly nothing feels quite like this, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's just because these movies have. Uh, impossible goals when it comes to okay in a often 90 to 100 minute movie a lot of which has to be devoted to a godzilla attack uh, you need to establish these interesting new characters who are going to have almost no impact on godzilla himself you know uh, mm-hmm. it's a really difficult thing to do and the fact that they've had to do it for 35 movies um so when it when it does work it tends to work because they use strong archetypes, honestly. Mm. It tends to be a character who feels like a lot like Indiana Jones, uh, but they give him uh, an interesting actor and uh, an interesting, like, compelling way that he can affect Godzilla, and they tend to just kind of let it spin off from there. It's very simple in that way, but I think that's the best of them, is just establish it very, very quickly. I haven't seen anything quite like this, where the entire core emotion of the piece is built around the human drama and specifically one human drama, like one person's uh, mm. journey. So I, I think it is completely unique amongst the canon I, I, that I can think of. I can't certainly the ones where they go to space don't get quite as uh, emotionally taxing. <laughs> I, I would say so. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I just, uh, again, I appreciated like just, it, it made me feel like really connected in a way I, I wasn't necessarily expecting to, because I didn't really know what to expect. Like I said, I knew very little about the movie going in and it was cool. It just felt like a different way to kind of like, uh, start one of these things out. Uh, Holden, I, I, I'm, I'm curious, like I, I joked about it a little bit earlier, but you know, uh, as a father of a young daughter now, do you like, uh, do you just have a soft spot when like, for like stories like this, where there's like just a, an adorable little kid in it? Yeah. I mean, Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to get too sidetracked on the ways in which um, parenthood changes your worldview. I mean, the short answer is it's. I'm sure. I'm sure. We, even the, even those of us that are childless can understand that it probably changes a lot. It really does because now that you're in the situation where you are constantly uh, taking care of someone who is who is a part of you, like in a very real way, you know, more so than really any other you know relationship other than maybe your parent. Uh, and and all of the constant worry and 
love and everything that goes into that, you know, you you feel a lot more keenly in movies, even in Godzilla minus one, where the central family is a maid family. Koicho still feels an intense responsibility for this young girl who's been orphaned, just like her surrogate parents. You know, especially when uh, we're getting to the end of the film and characters are in more dangerous, perilous places, and she is feeling the very grown-up stakes of her parents either going off to fight this thing or in the path of, of Godzilla. And it's just, it's heartbreaking how to describe this because as a parent watching, especially watching uh, Koicho when he's about to go off for that final confrontation and he's like, you know, ready to make this ultimate sacrifice. It's, it's heartbreaking because you know where his heart is, but at the same time, I know as a, as a father, I struggle because would I do that to my daughter or do I want to shake this guy and be like, no, this person depends on you. Don't be stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, no, it's it, it it really like I would not have been in that same in that same headspace. You know, it's kind of like how Steven Spielberg makes Close Encounters of the Third Time, uh, Third Kind, and he leaves his family, um, and then after he has kids, he realizes that uh, he could never make a movie like that again. That's kind of what I go through. I'm like Steven Spielberg, actually. So, <laughs> um, but no, it's it it creates a stronger emotional. Uh, attachment to those dynamics that even in the broadest terms uh, even even if they're like maybe not super specific but are just like something you can project your own thing onto they can hit really hard and Godzilla minus one is no different it helps also when like it's like an, an adorable young actress giving a, a, a cute performance it's a, a great uh, performance yes. uh, that, yeah that actress that actress's name is uh, is uh, say uh Nagatani, uh, and again, I, we, I don't even know if we said it. The, the, the daughter's name is Akiko, and the and, and our and our two leads are are played by uh, uh, Ryan Suke Kamiki. He plays Shikishima, and Minami uh, Hamabe. She plays uh, Noriko, and I think they're they're just all really good. I mean, I I um, you know, I can be critical of kid performers sometimes, but like, I mean, she, I thought she I thought she met, met the moment, and you know, you maybe aren't uh, you maybe you aren't really as invested in his family if the kid is just like a crappy kid actor. And that, that definitely wasn't the case here. Um, all right. I, w- I want to talk about some of the monster stuff guys. Uh, you know, and I think it's, 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 it's interesting. I, I think people are really cynical a lot when talking about like big budget blockbusters in America that are, that are produced. And like, I, I sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to dispute that. Like, you know, maybe like the last few Marvel movies haven't looked as good as they could have, but like, I'm also maybe not as quick to like, you know, criticize those movies for like having cgi stuff in them it's like i, I sometimes find like if you're going to go to a superhero movie and complain about cgi like joke should be on you at that point you know like it's just going to be a thing and they're going to be there needs to be big battles and stuff like that so like i, I maybe am not like watching like the quality of cgi or like with, with as critical of an eye as some people are often but like at the same time like this godzilla was pretty freaking scary uh and, and, and like i thought rendered really really uh in, in great detail and I, I i don't know if either of you knew like the production stuff about this movie going in i i knew nothing about it so i was just kind of like impressed and then like i like i'm sure most people do when they learn it were like stunned to find out that this movie was produced for under 15 million dollars so 
I'm I, I, I'm I'm curious, uh, JD. I mean, maybe uh, what what your reaction was to like seeing like how how they rendered this version of Godzilla compared to others that have come before it, and like how you thought that like if you if you have any thought. I mean, I don't really know if I have any like thing super insightful to add to the fact that they did this for fifteen million dollars. I think that this speaks for itself. But like what you kind of thought about like what the scale of what they were able to pull off here on that budget. I thought it was yeah fantastic, especially for the budget. I think it's a real testament to what the what happens when you allow like the pipeline of one person's vision to take something from the beginning all the way to the end, especially when it's a steady hand at the wheel. That's something that you really don't have with these other movies, especially like the old ones. They share directors, but at the end of the day, there's this really big gap between it just kind of feels like at times you know, the people who are doing the rubber suit things are doing the rubber suit yes, things. Speak, one second. Are... Speaking of that, I feel bad. I didn't shout out the writer director, same uh, Takashi Yamakazi, uh, or Yamazaki, and he wrote and directed the movie. So I feel like I should shout him out because we're singing this movie's praises. We hadn't said did the visual effects. Oh, he wow. Also did the visual effects for this. That's movie. pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about when it ta- when mm-hmm. every shot feels like something that was, you know, designed for his vision of Godzilla and how he was planning on executing the effects. And then he takes it all the way through like that. I mean, I just think you, you gain something that, you know, a lot of these big budget movies just can't replicate because of the scale they have to do these things. Uh, And especially when the, when he's also a very good director, you know, so these shots are something that are well envisioned from the beginning. And then he comes in and he seems to know what he's doing with the, uh, with the visual effects stuff as well. And, and it just, it, it feels very impactful in a way that feels intentional, which is so, so rare these days when you're having shots where you can tell the actor doesn't know what they're looking at. It doesn't matter what the CGI person puts in, you know, it doesn't matter what the effects team puts in at that point. If, you know, the rest of the people making the movie didn't know what they were making. And this just feels the opposite of that. And then I feel like you could have given them 15 million or 150 million and the movie would have probably been as good, um, you know, because it was so intentionally done. Yeah, so what did you think specifically about how he rendered the monster based on just other Godzillas that have come before? Did you like did you find him like, you know, sufficiently terrifying? Scary, yes. Hmm. Definitely scary. Um I mean, I I'm not someone who obsesses over the different like suit details. I liked his uh they brought a little bit of the like millennium era kind of like feline qualities to hmm. like around his eye and stuff, which I always really appreciated. Um and they gave him yeah, I just liked it. he was a sea creature again, which I liked. And I liked how you could kind of when you saw up close to him, he looked kind of like a, he would look like something that would have barnacles growing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. So I, I really enjoyed the way he was rendered overall. But yeah, from a creature design standpoint, I, I was kind of just along for the ride. I was very much my my critical reaction is was scary. <laughs> yeah. <Very> scary. <laughs> I, 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 I would not disagree. And again, I, I, I saw in a pretty full theater. I don't know if you guys were that lucky. And I think uh, my theater was pretty my my my, my theater is like pretty taken with it. And I think that's a pretty good, uh, fairly good metric. Just like, you know, to seem like everyone else is just like kind of like, oh, shit, you know, at the right at the right moments. And I think I think they were with like the way that the and entered the frame anytime he did i thought well like you know or, or especially maybe even in some of those water scenes just the way he you know the way they have him pop up and whatnot is uh you know that that that's scary in its own right uh holden uh what particularly impressed you about uh this monster if you had any like things any any details you really appreciated with how they pulled this movie off from a visual perspective learning that it was less than made for less than 15 million so wild. dollars was it's astonishing because i wouldn't have guess to that like if you told me i would have been impressed if you told me 100 million with like how much movies here cost you know yeah i don't i don't really want to know why it cost so little surely maybe some unpleasant uh 
uh, corners were cut, but the work the work on screen is is impressive. And and I I do think it helps that uh, when there isn't Godzilla on screen, you know, it's a lot of hanging around in offices and in a house and in like rubble. But of course, like I, I still think that the production design outside of that is really uh, impressive and at least to my eyes, like perfectly period appropriate. But the design of Godzilla is just so cool. Like every time those like blue, I don't know what they're, what the actual term is, but like those spikes shoot up his back and they're like, and he's like revving up charging. He shoots out that like atomic breath. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a more official name for it, but God. I think it is atomic breath. Yeah, I think oh, it is okay. atomic breath. Yeah, they nailed it. Um, but every time, gosh, it's just it 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 terrifies me. Like <laughs> this this Godzilla fella is not messing around. Yeah, it's like I mean, I I, I think I guess we do see some of the atomic breath maybe in some of the other American films that we've had the last few years. But like, I don't know for some something about it here just like really did scare me too. And it was just like maybe it's just because like I mean we didn't talk that much specifically about like the the post-war setting of this. And I'm, I guess I, I JD, I mean, are, uh, maybe there are, maybe some of the earlier ones are in similar settings or something like that. But I think the fact that they so effectively put us in that time and place at the start, and I'd already, we'd already seen like the devastation that these people had dealt with. Then it just, there, there's so much that, like you, it, it conjures like a, you, like you, your mind immediately goes to that every time you see him load up for one of those breaths. It's like, God damn, like these people have already been through it. Like how much destruction can he, uh, can he bring upon them just with when they've already faced so much, how much more can he do if he just points his head in a particular direction on this, on this next go round, you know, and that, that, that was what scared me as much as anything, just knowing where the, the time and place in which this movie was set. Yeah. I feel like so many, uh, especially superhero movies over the last like decade or so dealt with that whole criticism about innocence dying and like, uh, you know, big uh, New York city attacks and things like that by reacting to that, by having them a building explode. And then a superhero would just say like, Oh, good thing we evacuated that one or something. Or here we are. Like, I think so many that the DC like justice league and Superman movies are just like, let's go fight in like this abandoned, like, like parking lot. And who knows exactly where in relation to where everything else in this movie happened. Yeah. And the fact that this one swings in the exact opposite direction by making you think about how fragile the society is right mm-hmm. that that he that he's rampaging in um heightens the stakes i mean you you wouldn't even need that because we were invested in the uh the ground level characters already and so it just feels like an abundance of of, of rich emotion to be playing in for a godzilla movie uh, i feel really spoiled in that sense especially then because you really care whether they're gonna be able to figure out how to you know how to handle godzilla and so when you don't by their plan, uh, I was mm-hmm. at least emotionally when I was hearing them do the whole like uh, sinking him and then and then bringing him back up. I, I was I was getting my seat was getting frustrated. It's like that's not going to take out Godzilla. That's not going to do a goddamn thing to Godzilla, bitch. <laughs> like, tr- you guys are in trouble. <laughs> I, I was invested in that way, which I've never been before. Before I just kind of wait until you know the other monster comes to to fight Godzilla. But in this one, it really felt like. Um, I wanted their plan to succeed. And so I was emotionally invested in how bad it seemed. Yeah. They got pretty into the science of it uh, for that. I don't know how common that is normally in these movies. Like, but like, yeah, they really got like into the detail about like the pressurization or the, or then what it, they had some different term for what would have happened when he came to the surface. I don't have that off the top of my head, but like, like they really took, that was like almost the one time where the movie, like my, I, where I might've like, you know, zoned out a little bit or not been as engaged. I felt like there was a long time about them talking about this plan. And at some points it was interesting or maybe it was like, 
I can't remember what the stretch was in the movie, but like, I think bef- bef- between when they actually started getting very specific about the plan and, and, and like the last attack before that, like there was like a, there was like a lull in the movie for me. But then once they really got into the details of how they were going to like make this happen, I was like, I was like much more into it at that point. And, uh, and like, yeah, this felt like interesting. Like it was choreographed in an interesting way compared to maybe how, uh, just everything they had to do in the water around him, like that felt unique for like any kind of monster movie, almost to have a plan that was like laid out like that. And then to, like to actually see it unfold in that nature, it seems like it's normally more like, all right, let's just go up. Let's just go to battle guys. And that felt that, that made it feel like unique to me. Like, I love the stuff where it's like the, the first two acts where, the war happens. The guy meets Godzilla on um, on the island. Uh, he goes back, lives his life, da, 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 and then Godzilla comes back. And then everyone gets together to to figure out once and for all what to do. Because basically, what is it like? The Japanese government tries to fight back. The U.S. won't because of Russia or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was some like geopolitical stuff. I don't know. Maybe that was where I zoned down actually, because I was reading the yeah. Wikipedia summary. I'm like, I don't really remember that, but it's <laughs> like, I mean, understandable that like, the U.S. doesn't really want to like help them out that much right after World War II. That's just really quick. That's my my favorite like little detail in this movie is that uh, Douglas MacArthur knows Godzilla's rampaging in Japan. Right. <laughs> uh, but the thing that gets me is when it it comes down again to the this this uh, community who their country was destroyed and they did it to themselves. Um, Not like, you know, they did it to them, but like humanity are capable of their own destruction towards one another. You know, the whole thing where the the main character is a kamikaze pilot where he is expected to give his life. And these people are like, no, life matters. We need to, you know, we need to give it everything we got. And then the movie, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but Actually, hold on. Let's just tell people to jump out now. We did a good job of talking about the movie without actually spoiling anything, you know? So uh, th- this is the official start of this. Word. I don't always do this, JD. Like, sometimes I do a separate spoiler section. Sometimes I don't. But this is actually a pretty good jumping off point for one because I don't actually think we've really spoiled anything. So go ahead now and do it. Um, okay. So the, the the like the night before they're about to, to set off for this final confrontation, this Hail Mary with Godzilla, the um, retired naval weapons specialist, um, Noda, uh, played by future Holden Hobe nominee, uh, Hidetaka Yoshioka, um, is like, we, we just got through this war. We barely survived. We we're starting to rebuild. Okay. We're going to make, and the movie makes this promise. They make a promise to each other. We're going to go out there and no one is going to die. Okay. Which is a pretty bold ask. <laughs> um, and just thinking about it and in the movie, you know they they go and they do it and they're they're pulling together and on the surface it's the corniest most sentimental nonsense on the planet and then you remember the context and you re- and you know that it is fully earned like these characters this it, with this history with this uh with this national history have earned the right to fight you know for their own preservation in so much as not a single one of them will be put uh will be put in harm's way and just make that that scene where they're in that conference room it just makes me so emotional because it's all or nothing for them it's the kind of thing that i think a lot of a lot of blockbusters kind of take for granted where they where they're like okay well since we're the characters presumably most of us are going to make it out um, and maybe they do or don't. And this this time they're recognizing the precariousness of their situation, knowing like this the Godzilla 
can wipe out entire cities with nothing. And yet they're they're going for it anyway with this specific goal. Um, uh, you know, not a single life lost. I love it. Explosive decompression was the name of what was going to happen when he came to the surface. So, uh, <laughs> I, a term I did not know, but apparently is a real thing. So, nor, uh, nor did you need to know because we knew we knew I wasn't <laughs> going to take out Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean, uh, so it seems it seems like you got a kick out of uh, them thinking that would work, JD. But like, what did you what what what, what did you ultimately? How did you ultimately feel about that ending? And uh, just as like a way to as a way to like kind of end one of these movies where it's like you know like oh we're gonna have a plan and Shikishima is gonna have like his own part of this but then like you know uh, all the while and oh actually let me ask you before i even get to that is like the regeneration thing is that a thing that other godzilla movies have where he can just like kind of grow back a whole part of his body if someone like you know sets a bomb off on him um i don't i i think it's appeared intermittently i believe shin godzilla could regenerate Mm. i want to say they've toyed with it in the past i don't think it's like it's not one of his big ones and I don't think it makes an appearance in every movie. Certainly, it's not mentioned in every movie. I mean, he's he's most of the time I've seen Godzilla. He's a man in a suit. And that's a little <laughs> bit harder to have him regrow, you know, limbs. Uh, so I, I don't think it's um, a main canon part of his powers. But I think it's so interesting, the relationship that Godzilla has with the atomic bomb. Mm. And it's all over this movie, obviously, for many reasons. Even though the atomic bomb obviously is not mentioned in this movie, when you think about a movie reckoning with a culture of like fighting back, be, fighting back because you told are told to, and because you're told you have to, even though you have no chance of victory and the feeling of connecting that to like, does the government not value our lives specifically within the context of like Godzilla who is created quote unquote by the atomic bomb. It's, it's just such a rich, um, area to play in that i don't think i'm qualified to to talk about but i think that's that's my favorite kind of godzilla movie is between this shin godzilla with its like relationship to bureaucracy especially and the first movie uh toho seems to have found in the last like decade that it wants to make these you know very culturally driven godzilla movies which I think is an interesting answer when they're over there just kind of letting Legendary do whatever they want and just kind of make these kind of big disaster movies. Huh. I, I don't know. I don't even know if I have a real thesis to put on this one other than it's it's just when you mix it with all the kamikaze stuff, when you mix it with uh, the no one dies ending, a really interesting place to be playing around with for a Godzilla movie, I thought. I guess, like I already said, I, I mean, I, 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 I did particularly... Uh... Uh, like like the ending too, and it was just it was it was interesting. I mean, like I like I said, you got to see how well choreographed all this stuff was, even if it might have almost all been for not in a certain way. If nothing else, I guess they they immobilized him enough, and that's all they really need to do. Once uh, Shikishima like went on his went on his next mission, and uh, did did that feel like? But like, did him did did the whole thing with like him flying the plane in, but then ejecting at the last second? Like, did that? How how did that? How did that work for you, Holden? It seems like you 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 were uh, pretty into that. Oh my god, I was. <laughs> hooting and hollering <laughs> oh my gosh it's so perfect mm-hmm. and again it's it's totally earned like maybe you think it's cheesy whatever that's fine it's it's absolutely what that character deserves mm-hmm. okay because you know he has gone through this journey and one detail i mean there's you know there are a few details that we've omitted but like um after he you know fails to uh, fight back against godzilla in the beginning of the movie the the technician uh, tachibana 
gives him the the pictures of of all of the all of the other service people who were on the island and who died um and it's of them and their families and so he's always carrying this around with him and then at the end you know they've they've reunited uh shikishima has gotten um tachibana to work on this plane that will be used to to deploy a bomb into godzilla's belly and tachibana realizes this guy's changed he understands what these other people gave um he he figured it out and that's what he needed he needed that absolution from this other character to the point where the guy's like all right i'm gonna give you this ejector seat all right so come home safe which you find out right before it happens <laughs> it's so cool it's like it's just it's i'll say so it should cool. feel manipulative it doesn't to me at least it oh, just 100 yeah it just hits it's just yeah. like, this movie hits all the high notes mm-hmm. no yeah no i i don't so I, I don't yeah i i agree like i thought that was like incredibly thrilling didn't didn't really feel like a cheat or anything like that but i do wonder uh because like i i thought i thought that moment like in and of itself like did did work so well did you guys think they took it like one step too far with the narika uh actually surviving at the end because i've heard a little bit of criticism about that yeah but here's the thing is that she's my friend and i like her and i'm glad (laughs) (laughs) so that's 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 where i was emotionally you know uh because i've been wondering the entire movie you just she just disappears so you know it's something that they kind of might be Mm -hmm. waiting to to bring back uh, and I was just glad they did okay. because she's very good and I'm happy that she's alive. It's it's sort of a have your cake and eat it too kind of moment mm-hmm. where she gets to be this symbolic sort of sacrifice as, you know, at one point she pushes uh, Shikishima like down an alleyway and then is, we assume, just uh, caught in the, the blast of mm-hmm. Godzilla, you know, uh, obliterating the, um, is it, uh, is it Gearza? Is that what it's? Um, I think that was the name of that city, yeah. Um, or like, they, well, didn't they? Didn't that where they lived, or, or maybe they lived on the outskirts where she of it? Worked. Oh, right, 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 um, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and so you think, oh well, she's just she's Ginza. disintegrated. Ginza, sorry. And like you reasonably think she's gone. How she survives, it's never explained. It's just a gift that the movie gives you, and that it gives this character. And you can think again, however you want. I love it. I think it rules. Well, he's been through a lot, so I was just exactly. kind of happy that he didn't have to. That's what I'd say. It's like it's like uh, it's like. I, I mean, I, it's 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 weird to like you know talk about the female character so much as like just like a, you know, a tool to help this man's journey. But at this, but it, it, there is something to be said for that. Like, it maybe give her more agency. But like, it is weird to like bring this guy on this whole entire journey and like about him wanting to like you know being able to accept that he's he he's allowed to be happy and all this, and then like not really give him like a super duper happy ending, like beyond just killing Godzilla. It's like, okay, like he, he, we've seen him not really thinking this family, not treating this family like it's his own. Cause he has all this guilt or whatever. It's like, it's, it would feel like almost an incomplete journey if he didn't actually get a family out of it, you know, beyond just like having to raise a daughter by himself uh, that he had previously not really referred to as his daughter. Uh, um, you know, I, I do one, one, just on that thought for a second. I think one of the funnier things was like when his coworkers were at dinner and they're like, why haven't you wiped her up yet? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was cool that like they, they found a moment of levity like that in an otherwise very serious movie, you know? So. Well, then he, well, then he has the line of the movie, which is this year's, I can't beat it, which is, my war isn't over yet. 
<laughs> it's so good. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um. But I know. Yeah. Like I. So like I. I. I hear what people are saying. Where it's like, okay, like like the whole have your cake and eat it too thing. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, like I. I didn't need that, but like he needed it. So I guess I'm okay with it. You know, is where I, mean, I kind of came down. Good cake. You know? <laughs> I want to yeah. eat more. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I would take more of this entire movie if this movie is a cake. Um, well, and then the movie gives you that sort of final tag where, like, you know, I mean, it's never, it's never totally over with old, uh, with, mm-hmm. with Godzilla Firefox over there. Yeah, so I mean, like, I guess you kind of knew that was coming. I guess with the regeneration thing, you know, and I don't think anyone's gonna complain if they I mean. It's like we know Godzilla is not really dying. Like if they want to, you know, because like we just know, like there's going to be more Godzilla movies. So I guess that's fine if that's where they want to pick it up. And I guess like in theory, they could like they could stay in this universe and pick up at any any point in time between then and 2023, I suppose. So uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what they got planned next, right? Um, JD, any anything about this movie we didn't already touch on that you wanted to shout out or discuss that we that we didn't get to? Yeah, there's a really cool shot uh, during the attempt to. oxygenate him rapidly expand his i don't know what they were gonna do but uh his eyes kind of freeze over Mm -hmm. and it's just a very cool shot it's just a cool shot that i thought hey that's a cool shot and and this movie had a lot of that kind of stuff i mean that that that, that's what we do at this part of the podcast is anything cool that like we forgot to talk about so uh holden anything else about godzilla minus one that we didn't touch on that you wanted to shout out before we wrapped up i mean this is this is just such a, a special movie um, there's so many things that are worth discussing that are worth celebrating. Uh, one one small ish thing that I wanted to bring up really quickly is um, uh, it's good to see uh, Sakura Ando um, again, who plays his, his neighbor Sumiko, who uh, who berates him when he comes home and learns that his family died, and then at the end. When he comes home, she's like, what do you think you're doing giving this me this money? Think you're going <laughs> to take care of her. You're supposed to take care of her. And then she's like hugging him. And, you know, because they make, it, they make it, that, that actress is she is only 37 years old and they make yeah. her look really old. And it, I am closer in age to her than I am to the actress that plays. Her. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's great. I mean, I think most people, you know, recognize her for like shoplifters. Um, mm. She's in the other uh, Corietta movie this year monster and uh she's also amazing in um, love exposure uh a, a the weirdest movie that is every movie um i she's just giving a great performance in a movie with like where i i mean I, most characters stick with me to one degree or another and you you just gotta love it so she's the mom in shoplifters yes that's yeah. so weird like she was like she would have been like 32 when that was produced. She, she, they just, she, they just make like aging her up for movies, I guess. Um, no, yeah, yeah that, that was a good character. We didn't really touch on either, and uh, I enjoyed her presence as well. Yeah, like the uh, professor character as well. Uh-huh. I mean, I really just, even yes. if that was just a, a factor of really good hair, really good hair <laughs> and character design can go a long way sometimes. But you just, you know, I'm, I look at him and I'm like, yeah, put him in like five more movies looking exactly like what movie could not use a professor that like looks like that and is going to deoxygenate Godzilla. You know, let's do it <laughs> again. Yeah. Best supporting actor for me, like probably he might be my winner. Uh, come back to me in a few months. We'll see. <laughs> OK, Um. yeah, I don't really have any other uh, any other thoughts myself. I would just say, like, you know, I I, I highly recommend people uh, seek this movie out. I hope it hangs around in uh, theaters throughout the holiday season. I mean, there's going to be. You know, obviously other competition at the box office, but like, I don't think there's anything quite like this playing at the moment. So this is the kind of thing you think you and your family might be into during the holidays, you know, 
Uh, definitely recommend uh, trying to uh, check it out and encouraging, you know, I think it's just cool that like they wanted to give this as big of an American release as they did, you know? Um, Cause like, I know like Shin Godzilla didn't have that kind of a release uh, or anything like that, you know? So uh, quite on that level. So it's cool that they uh, highlighted this as one that was deserving of it. Um, uh, JD, at this part of the podcast, we normally ask people for other recommendations of stuff they've been watching. It's okay if you don't have any, but I'll give you a second. Uh, Holden, anything else you've been watching recently you want to do shout out to the listeners? Yeah. Um, I've been diving back into I've I've mentioned this to, to both of you um, in in at least one capacity, but uh, I've been diving back into John Boyce documentaries, which I don't know if, if either of you have seen any of them, but they're just the most hyper analytical sports um, sort of nonfiction make uh, filmmaking. Um, so he has like the and they're all on YouTube and some of them are like in multiple parts. Um, so like he has like history of the Seattle Mariners, history of the Atlanta Falcons. I follow him on Twitter, but I've never really consumed that content. He, do, I know he does like weird stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I just watched, um, his captain Ahab, uh, the story of Dave Steeb, which all about, uh, Toronto blue Jays pitcher and arguably still their best uh, player. Dave Steeb kind of as this underrated pitcher in, in major league baseball and just the way he can make a. Uh, he'll he'll take a graph and and make you feel the most profound emotions and just his ability to to find the most divine grace in in failure or or in or in loss is is really special um all of his documentaries are worth checking out i see he did one on the history of the atlanta falcons and there was plenty of failure to investigate there oh <laughs> well, there's a whole section devoted just to the 2017 uh super bowl so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, I'll recommend Captain Ahab, story of Dave Steeb, a great uh, character study um, and a really, really moving uh, piece of documentary filmmaking. Great recommendation. I, I John Boyce is someone I just know as a guy on Twitter, and I, I feel like I'd heard he did stuff like that, and I just never really like made it a priority. So I appreciate yeah. the recommendation on that. Yeah, um, it's all on YouTube, and it's it's like chunked. It's like you know, like forty-five to an hour uh, section, so very easy to digest. Gotcha. JD, anything you've been watching recently you would like to recommend to the listeners? Uh, the only movies I've been watching recently are the uh, the more Bond run, and I, I wouldn't so far recommend it. It's not been my thing so far, but most Bond isn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World TV show has put me on a bit of an indie comics kick again, which is nice. So uh, that's a great TV show, and then it led me to uh, this little trade paperback called The Cosmic Detective that I really enjoyed, which is just kind of this, uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot of like Kirby-esque uh, cosmic art applied to this uh, like neo-noir uh, story that I, I with really, really simple, beautiful art that I really enjoyed. So it's nice and short. Uh, and I, I don't think it ever got any kind of second book or anything like that. So it's an easy read, but uh, I would recommend it. It's a it's a fun one. I'm glad you took it there too, because I, I didn't clarify for you that we I, I take I take recommendations for reading stuff too, not just stuff watching. So I'm glad you uh, thought to shout that out as well. Uh, only thing I've been really been watching aside from stuff I've already talked about on the podcast is I've been trying to at least educate myself on the Studio Ghibli films a little bit before I do podcasts on The Boy and the Heron, which will probably be the next one that comes out after this podcast. So I went back and I will. It's been a few weeks. I watched Spirited Away like over Thanksgiving, but then over the last couple of weeks, I watched also watched uh, Kiki's Delivery Service and uh, Princess Mononoke, and like uh, and 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 I'm gonna watch my neighbor Totoro in the next couple of days because it's not that long. But like you know, it's 
it, it, I think it's really cool. And I, I'm kind of ashamed it took me th- over three years to like actually like finally watch some of those when they've been on HBO Max all along, or now it's just Max, I guess. And like, and that's a great resource that people should uh, te- check out. I mean, like if you're, you know, if, if even if you're not like a big on animated films, they're so unique in how they're done that like you know you, you might find one that really strikes a chord with you regardless. But like I've enjoyed all of them to and the, for for what they are, and I'm like I, I'm lucky that I have this much to discover still, even if it's only because I was just too ignorant to like start them sooner, you know. And I looking forward to talking about the boy and the heron with uh, Ben and Joe because given that Joe works in animation and has his own perspective on that, and Ben is a bit of a Mizaki scholar in his own right, and uh, so I'm really much very much looking forward to talking about those so you know if you and so yeah and i and i did see the boy in the hair and i would recommend that too i'm probably gonna see it again so i can refresh myself before i do the podcast and it's just harder for me to do that than it used to be since i don't live across the street from a movie theater anymore but like that i I, i'm going to make the effort to drive 20 minutes to see it a second time probably because it was that good so i can recommend the boy in the heron and also you know the, the the what i have seen of the studio ghibli catalog and i highly recommend other people do the same even if especially if they see the boy in the heron just to take advantage of the fact that they can see a mizaki movie in theaters not that they don't you know show those semi-regularly around the country anyway but like you know if you're like oh i, I like what this is and like hey there's plenty of other things there for you to check out if you were just late to the party like i was so um jd before we get out of here the last thing i always do is let people plug anything they want to plug you want to plug your letterbox or any other kind of social media or personal stuff no okay but i will plug a, a kind of deeper philosophical discussion yes is the sequel to godzilla minus one godzilla minus two or is it godzilla zero oh hmm God, zero. So, God, think wait, on that. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. That's going to keep me up all night. <laughs> um, uh, hold it. Anything you want to plug? I don't know. Follow me on uh, uh, Instagram, Blue Sky Letterboxd, H I Otis Martinson, or don't, you know, save yourself that trouble. <laughs> um, uh, listen to the Rewind. Uh, any other podcasts associated with the people on this show uh i don't know no one follow me i don't want you to know where i'm going you don't want to know (laughs) what is it it that uh that nota says no one dies why don't i plug that no one dies i can't make those promises so don't follow me <laughs> All right. Well, as usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I on Twitter and Letterbox podcast. Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is RewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Send feedback that way. Uh, I'm actually, and I actually might actually have more stuff to put on Letterbox. Like, I don't think I've logged anything since July, but like, I have some stuff written up through August. And I am going to visit my grandpa in Philadelphia for a week at the, uh, from like the 23rd to the 30th. And I might go watch, see a couple movies by myself when I'm there, but like, I'm going to use like a lot of my downtime just to like catch up on letterbox reviews and stuff like that to hopefully like actually be able to put out a top, actually be able to put it out a top 10 before the, before the, uh, um, but before before the Oscars, uh, now I don't know if I'm gonna make it to a Sixers game or not. My grandpa doesn't go to sporting events anymore, and but like they're actually fun to watch. So uh, yeah, I that 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 should have been what I plugged. Like, hey, there's actually a fun basketball team to watch in Philadelphia for the first time in a while because they they put an actual real team around Joel Embiid. That makes sense. But you know, uh, you know that's that that's a whole that's, that's a whole other podcast. But I want to thank JD and Holden for joining me, guys. This is a great time. I want to thank all of you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Create.